Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello all, happy Earth Day. It's Earth Day? Yeah, I didn't. I just saw this morning. The little oh. Google uh, Google picture, the Google words oh, came up, okay. and that, that's how we learn. All right, happy day of the Earth. Happy day of the Earth. Well, we got some hoops to talk. We're coming down the home stretch of the regular season, Phil. I ain't going to lie, it's, it's kind of slogging a little bit, just a little, but... We got some things to keep us on our toes, and I think we're getting ready for a great playoff run, so it'll all be worth it. We're going to talk playing landscape, but first we have to talk about our New York Knicks, who have won now eight straight basketball games in what was supposed to be a difficult stretch of their season. They've obviously gotten some injury luck, played the Lakers when they weren't really the Lakers. They played the Bucks, not part of the streak, but earlier when they weren't really the Bucks. But nonetheless, they're winning basketball games, 33-27, and 27, fourth in the Eastern Conference something that was just incomprehensible to think would happen if you were to tell me this would be the case before the season. They're playing good basketball. They're play- the players are performing. The coaching seems to be at its best, in my opinion. The rotations are pretty sharp. And they're just peaking right now, Phil. So before we go into some of the other teams, we got to talk Knicks. This eight-game stretch, just let's keep it simple first. What has struck you most in this span of basketball? Uh, well, just going back to what you were saying before, where the the games they were supposed to be playing were definitely going to be harder, but they kind of broke even or broke off easier games because uh, significant players were hurt. But they still had to go in and win the game. So I guess it just kind of shows Tom Thibodeau's um, his composure and what he's trying to instill in these guys, and it's really showing on the court. The past eight games have just been, you know, they've been a fun game. They've been a fun romp in the head. They hit a few games where it's kind of like that, where the Hornets didn't have LaMelo or Gordon or the Lakers didn't have LeBron and AD, and they should go in and win them, and then they actually go and do it. I mean, it's impressive. Julius Randle's just been on a tear. I don't know how how long he's been averaging or scoring 30-plus during the eight-game streak, but it seems like more than half of it. And, yeah, it's just really fun to watch. Everybody's doing what they got to do. Yeah, everyone's doing what they got to do. It's, it's not just one player. Obviously, Julius Randle, and we could do a whole episode on him. I, I, I said last night, it's the greatest season-to-season turnaround in NBA history. The way that yeah, he has just completely transformed his game is just crazy to think about. Got to be. I mean, we got to talk All-NBA, too, when we eventually do oh, our yeah, All-NBA yeah. pods. He'll be in the conversation. But one thing that's sticking out to me, Phil, and this is something that we all know from watching years of playoff basketball, you know, get late in the season. They are, they have been very good in the clutch. They have been very good from weathering storms when they get leads on them. And that's something that in the beginning of the season, although they were winning games more than we thought they would, that was always something that I was kind of tentative on was their ability to weather storms of leads, was their ability to overcome 10, 12 point deficits because we know that at least in the beginning of the season, the perceived weakness was shooting, perceived weakness was firepower in the half-court offense. They're not really a transition offense team. So it was, it was really just oh, offense yeah. in general. And right now, you, you look at the wins they've gotten. Memphis was a comeback win. They get it in overtime. New Orleans, comeback win. Um, Dallas was kind of in the balance the whole time. Charlotte, they're down big. That was comeback, yeah. They're down double digits at half, comeback. Atlanta, obviously the Trey Young injury maybe made things a little easier. But nonetheless, they're down 8, 10 points win in overtime. So that's really, to me, the sign of a 
a legitimate, good NBA team, not just a team on the fringe, not just a team that, you know, beats up on bad teams and kind of gets blown out. And when things aren't going well, they can't, they can't come back, but a team that can weather storms, come back from leads and make plays in the clutch. That's what's impressed me the most. The way Julius Randle's handled the clutch, the way RJ Barrett's handled the clutch, Reggie Bullock. I mean, you might have to get, I might have to give the Reggie Bullock apology for him because he has been as good of a three-point shooter as there's been in the league over these last eight games. Believe so, me, I'm ready. I'm ready and happy to apologize to Reggie Bullock. He deserves he deserves the world now. Yeah. And, Until and this he, hot streak ends, he deserves the world. And keep in mind, they're doing all this without two key players, one of which we've gotten a replacement who's just been fantastic. Mitchell Robinson obviously has been back out, but Neurons Noel, I mean, he's, he's given you everything you can ask for, and we can have a, another conversation about him, his defensive impact, but also without Alec Burks, who's been one of the most consistent offensive, offensive players productive. off the bench. Yeah, he's, he's been out the last few games. So it's just, it's just crazy to see all these different guys stepping up. The Derrick Rose trade has, you know, listen, at the, yeah, at the time you and I were – not like worried because I don't think either of us were too invested in Dennis Smith. We just didn't really want it messing with the flow the team had, but it hasn't at all. The backcourt of Rose and quickly coming off the bench looked really good. Qu- quickly hit a little bit of a slump, but it's really nice to see him produce the last few games and we see what he looks like when he's fully right, when he's fully utilized. I think his passing has gotten a lot better recently. He's turning into more of a catch and shoot guy, which is great because I think he's one of the better pure shooters on the team. There's really not too much negative to say about this team right now, Phil, because everything they're doing is overachieving, and it just seems like everybody is being the best version of themselves. Yeah, I think Thibodeau really kind of pulled that out of everybody. First of all, the half-court offense has been almost not ex- not at all what you would have expected coming into the season. If you watch the first few games, they had like the, the flashes of it, but they still kind of ran that fast pace just because they had so many young guns and they were going to push. And as the season went on, maybe it's just because Thibodeau tired him out. But they're going into a lot more half-court offense and sets, and it's working out. It, you wouldn't expect RJ to be running a full half-court set and getting a bucket or producing something, producing a bucket for someone else. But nowadays, it's almost automatic. And then with the spacing you have, Reggie Bullock is just doing wonders and quickly becoming what he should be right now, but he can become a lot better than in the future. Yeah, it, it's, it really does seem like – and. Listen, Tibbs is never going to be an offensive mastermind to the point where he's you know, drawing up elaborate schemes and whatnot. But I think he's doing a great job right now, A, with the rotations. He's, he's kind of found the sweet spot with staggering yeah, you, RJ and Randall's minutes. You've waned on his uh, rotations at times. Yes, I because I, yeah, I, felt, I, I felt that at times in the season he's been a little bit rigid and it's just been the same thing game in and game out without any adaptation to the game. But I think recently that hasn't happened at all. I, I've... I like what he's doing with RJ and Randall. I liked, I like more how he's handling quickly, even though sometimes I could probably take a little more quickly minutes. I'm not going to nitpick. I think quickly when he's hot, he gets the minutes. And when he's producing and when he's playing defense, he gets the minutes. But at the end of the day, Tibbs is putting guys in positions to succeed, and that's the biggest thing. Reggie Bullock with his shooting and his defense. Nerlens Noel, he, he's doing everything you could ask Nerlens Noel could, to do. You know, uh, there's really not much more you would want from him and really not much more you want from any of these guys. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to see. Obviously the work is far from done and it's going to be crazy. They're, they're going to be at the very least in the play-in. Um, 
the standings are a little bit smoke and mirrors. I know that we like to say fourth seed, but uh, I don't want to be the, the Debbie Downer here, but they're still only a game and a half above Miami for the seven. So right. this, like, this stretch run is still incredibly important, and they still have some really tough games left. They got Phoenix twice. It looks like the Lakers are going to start to shape more to form. I believe AD is actually playing tonight, which we can talk about in a little bit. But we, we got the Lakers coming up in a, uh, a West Coast road trip. So there's still a bunch of games to play. And hopefully they can avoid the play-in. If they don't avoid the play-in, they don't avoid the play-in. It's all right. But right now. If they're going to the play-in, we yeah. got to go. We got a live stream, I guess. We do gotta go. Yeah, that will. Oof, that will. I, 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 I want them to get a, a hoops, legit series. I don't want to see that kind of hoop. <laughs> I want them to get a legit series in. So I'm really hoping they, if they get in the play, and obviously they, they win it. But, um, New York Knicks. New York Knicks. Not not much else to say about the New York Knicks. Um, before with we that, move on, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say with that. Do we want to jump over to the East I, Conference? You want to? I just want to say. I want to. I want to talk. I want to do one Randall segment because no RJ, no row. I want to do one Randall segment. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, par- I'm partial to RJ. I'm partial to RJ because you know he, he's kind of our baby boy. But I, I, I just think we got to talk Randall right now, Phil. Um, all right. We we all we all know what he's done. You know, statistically, production wise, how. The Knicks have big decisions coming up, you know, and regardless of how this season ends up, maybe they make the plane and lose. Maybe they make the, the playoff series, the, the legit playoffs, and they lose in five, four, six. I don't know what it may. They win a first round. I don't know. Regardless of what happens, though, you cannot wipe out what has already happened and the production Julius Randle has already given us, which is something that none of us could have expected. I got to get yeah. your take. Where do you view Randall right now as a piece of the New York Knicks? Because they have tough decisions coming up. And I don't want to go too far in the future, but we're talking extension eligible at the end of the season. I don't think he's going to take it because he's going to be eligible for a max after next year, after we inevitably um, ext- uh, up, re-up with him because he has a team option. Right. Listen, before the year, we were all talking about getting him out so Obi Toppin can get the minutes. And right now, he's the face of the franchise. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. W- just what is your what is your stance right now about how this guy has to be viewed in terms of the long-term plans of this team? Obviously, he's a valuable asset. And going forward, you're right. They're definitely just going to pick up the team option for next year and then see what happens going forward. I'm sure they kind of have in mind what's going to happen afterwards where they're going to try to sign him somewhere I would say close to a max unless he just goes completely off and jumps another level up. But I would have to assume if he continues to do play exactly how he did this year, next year, and the Knicks have the option to, you know, sign him again, they'd probably put him a little bit, maybe in the five, five to seven range mil below a max deal for him, which would be, I think he's not over the 10 years yet. So it can't be 30% of the cap. So it's mm-hmm. got to be in the 25 range. Unless he makes the all-NBA the all NBA team, that actually might give him a boost. So that'll be yeah. more money. But, yeah, just kind of semantics of it. But he's going to make, you know, near max money, and I assume it's going to be eh, – it might be a four-year deal. I don't know with NBA guys this time around. It's usually shorter times. Yeah, I saw something like uh, – this is just – this was kind of just picking off Twitter. I don't even know if this is 100% accurate. But 
after and it's it's pretty it's pretty identical to the Levine situation in Chicago that I think after this season he'd be eligible for a four year hundred four dollar hundred four million dollar max uh extension, mm-hmm. which he would probably decline. And then right. after after next year he would be eligible for a five year hundred ninety million dollar contract. So yeah. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But listen, if he's gonna produce like that, like this, I think he's worth it. I, I really just don't see how you can't give a guy playing an all NBA level like I think you got to give him a blank check at that point. But a lot yeah, of basketball, totally. a lot of basketball to play still. We have a one quick have thing. A, yeah. Because of Randall, all of his different happenings of where he went, where he had that kind of down year and he ended up in New Orleans for one year. There is a kind of a weird situation because, you know, all players are just trying to get to that 10 year threshold so they can sign their contract because that's when the big money kicks in. Mm-hmm. That's where you can take up 30 percent of the cap. And the way he's kind of worked out his contracts, it wasn't really he had this in sight, nor did he really see it coming as until, you know, this year. He's only at six seasons and if we or seven seasons and if we ha- and he plays next year, he's going to be at eight. Could he be looking for a two year deal to kind of push him over the top to resign again when he's in his prime and he can get a max contract deal after his 10 years of experience in the NBA? That's Maybe. something I think people should look out yeah. for because it's, it's it's relevant. People care. The guys get yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good point. You're a, you're a, you're a capologist over here, so you'll have to do the do the work yeah, on as that best and, as I can be. And let me know about it. But ex- exciting stuff happening in New York. You know, there's really hasn't been the basketball like the Knicks haven't felt like this since that uh that good year with Carmelo. And I know Jason we, we, we yeah we said that earlier in the season, but the fact that it's sustained is just great. It's it's felt like every time we we thought they were gonna you know take a big slide in the standings maybe they lose a couple in a row maybe they take two steps back one step forward but they they never let it pile up and i think that's been the key because in past seasons listen we've had decent starts you know that that year with um derrick rose the first time derrick oh, rose christoph Porzingis, mellow yeah. nick started out yeah nick nick started out above 500 i think it was 30 games in or something like that they were they were a decent amount above 500. I'm going to check it right now just so I have the stats. But uh, that year they were really bad. I think it no, was the next year with Kevin. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I know what you mean. Okay, this year they were really good. Was it 14-15? Yeah, I think so. No, 14-15 we were horrible. Oh, 15-16 then. Yeah, yeah, I think 15, was, I think, yeah, I think it was 15-16. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen. They were um, well. They were, yeah. So fifteen, sixteen. They got they were they were five hundred forty four games in the season. They were they were twenty two and twenty two. So yeah, that that that's decent. And they were self proposed super teams. Yeah, but they they just let it completely pile up, and that's when you that that's when you have problems. And I feel like that's kind of been the case with the Knicks the last few years. Is they've just even when a few games might go well that when it's bad, it's real bad. And you got to credit tips for that. I think he's really kept this team level-headed. I think that this team stays consistent, stays in the moment. You know, they don't take any opponent for granted. This team's done a really good job for the most part playing against inferior teams. So overall, just a really, really fun season, unexpected season. And this team deserves his roses, flowers, whatever you want to call it, because uh, they're, they're, they're accomplishing at a high level. All right, yeah. Phil, you want, you want to move on to the... Let's hop over to the East. Yeah, already let's... in the East. Let's hop over to a grander scheme. 
Yeah, well, the Knicks will be part of this conversation, but we're going to focus on some playing landscape stuff right now. You know, I think in both conferences, we kind of get the idea of what the top of the conference are going to look like. But the playing scenarios are still pretty flexible in both conferences. So just to give an idea, right now in the East, we got Miami at the 7, Charlotte at the 8, Indiana at the 9, Washington. Washington sneakily won six in a row. They're sitting at the 10. And don't forget Toronto won. Yeah, Toronto's four right in a row. And yeah, Toronto's right there. They're a half game behind the 10. Chicago, you know, they still want to make it after that Vucevic trade. They're one game behind Washington. And then obviously New York, Atlanta, Boston, they're all within a game and a half from Miami. So <laughs> it's really the only, the only teams that are out of the play in scenario are the top three teams at the top of the East. And then Cleveland, Orlando, Detroit are pretty much out of it. Besides that, everybody in that middle is. Right there for the taking. Yeah. yeah. So, Phil, before even looking at the standings, I want to ask you, what would be your ideal playing scenario for uh, for entertainment's sake? Let's start. I, I want to get your idea. Entertainment's sake? I don't know. I think I'd have to wash out Pacers because they've just been slumping a lot. And most of their wins that they have came in the early part of the season before. I, I don't even know what really went wrong there. So I'll just leave that be. I think the Heat and Wizards would just be a really good matchup because it's a lot of talent. Um, I don't know if the Wizards, per se, would upset the Heat, but I think they give them a good run. Raptors, they're kind of – they're not very interesting. I don't know. I mean, Kyle Lowry's going to do what he does. And Pascal Siakam, you hope, is going to get on board. And if he does, maybe they have a better chance of winning, but that's about it. I think there's a lot of variability and seeing – Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal have one game to to keep the games alive. They'd probably go crazy. Yeah, I, I, I want to see Washington get the eight, and I, you you know I'm partial to my Wiz kids, but yeah, of course <laughs> that that would be a that would be some fireworks. Sixers versus Wizards, even though I give the Wizards not much of a chance. And listen, the Nets can also get the one seed. That that's a, that's a, another race that's worth monitoring because yeah. if uh you know. Obviously, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the seven, but I'm much rather play any team outside of Miami. And if Miami stays in the seven, or even if Boston gets to the seven, you know, I'd rather play one of those three bottom teams, Charlotte and Indiana, Washington, instead of, you know, Boston or Miami or Atlanta or say the Knicks slide, you know, I'd rather play one of those bottom teams. So the, the race for the one season is interesting, although I don't think the Nets are going to take it too seriously because they don't care about regular season. So yeah, um, I was going to ask you, out of the, I guess, 7 to 10 as it stands now, maybe we'll include the Raptors at 11. Who do you think is the most, if they came out of the plane and they were in whatever spot they were in, who do you think would be the most interesting or put up a best fight against? It would be either the Sixers or the Nets probably. Oh, well, it has to be Miami. You know? Right. So yeah. even though all season it seems like we're kind of waiting in Miami to be what they were last year, you, you can't. You can't deny a team that just won the Eastern Conference and with the talent that they have. So, plus with the, the even though I think Spolster's kind of had an up and down the year this this season, I know that the fans are a little upset with some of the stuff he's doing. But proven coach, you know, I, I've said the last couple of weeks, Nets Heat, even though Brooklyn has much more talent, I mean, can't get more of a, a coaching mismatch in terms of experience when you have Steve Nash on one sideline and Eric Spolstra three-time champion on the other sideline. Oh, not three, two-time champion on the other uh, sideline. So that would be interesting just to kind of see that chess match and see what Spolstra could throw at Brooklyn to 
flummox them a little bit. I also think that would be a night, like, not a nightmare because I'd still pick Brooklyn to win. But for a team that has very little continuity so far, for lack of a better word, because they've only played seven games together, I mean, that is a, not a fun opponent in Miami because you know yeah. Miami is going to put you in different situations in – you know, they're, they're going to throw these junk defenses at you and these different looks that you probably haven't seen in a while. That's probably not the the team you want to face when you're just getting your feet wet and you're working towards a finals run. You know, you, you, you'd want right, a lighter want opponent. Jealous. Yeah, you'd want a lighter opponent. So uh, the Nets, I'm sure, would love to get into that one. But at the same time, they're not really playing their guys, so I can't say they want it too much. All right, let me expand on it now. And instead of just the 7 to 11, it's the 4 to the 11. So now it's the Knicks, Hawks, and Celtics included. Because basically, I mean, the tiers are cut, right, from 1, 2, 3. Bucks, Bucks are at the top with the Nets, Sixers, and then everybody else is kind of, you know, not really in that defined or established area. Do you think the Heat are still the team that could make the most noise? Or do you think the Celtics pop in, maybe even your lovely Hawks? If Trey Young comes back mm. healthy? It's not Atlanta. It's either it's either Miami or Boston. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm still gonna lean Miami. Um, I'm I'm still I'm still a little skeptical on Boston's offense. Although they're playing a lot better, they they've just, they've gotten some supernova performances from Jason Tatum, and that's great because he's capable of that. And you know he he can do that in a playoff series. I'm not putting it past him. I think Tatum's gotten a little overlooked recently, but. I just think Miami is a little bit deeper. I I, tr- I trust their guard play a little bit more. Although underrated storyline, Phil. Um, I, I've watched some Miami here and there. Not not storyline, I'd say, but the I think one of one thing that's happening with the Heat, and I know people like to make fun of Tyler Harrow and whatever. Maybe Bam's not aggressive enough. All that stuff. But a player who's I've taken a step back this season, who was such an X factor for them last postseason is Goran Dragic. He, he doesn't look the same oh, to me. I thought you were going to uh, say Dunkey Rob. No, Goran Dragic. I, I really think Goran Dragic was, outside of Butler, the, 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 second, the second most important player on offense for Miami last year. Yeah, um, definitely. Bam was the second best player, and the way he impacted both ends, and plus the rebounding element of it, I, he's obviously the second best player on the team, but Dragic was so important to them. The way he orchestrated pick and roll, he can catch and shoot. He put so much pressure on the defense downhill, and he just doesn't look the same this year. He's not shooting the ball as well. He's not getting to the line as much. When I watch the games, it just doesn't seem like he's much of a threat, and that's a huge, huge blow because of how important he was last year. So he's a guy that I haven't really heard a lot about this year. Um, it would be nice to, to the old vet. He, he's, he's getting up there. You know, this is not a young guy, so I guess I can't say I'm too shocked, but to me, that's really what stuck out. He's 34 years old. He's going to be 35 in May. So by the time the playoffs start, he's going to be a 35-year-old dude. Um, I don't think they really have the personnel to replace the kind of production that he gave you last season. So that's a question mark for me, but I'm still going to leave Miami in that Boston-Miami question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like with Miami, they have a lot of very focused vision. And since the beginning of the se- season, they've just been saying, like, we're playoffs or we're, we're finals or bust. We're, we're in that top tier. We're the fourth team in that top tier of the East. And kind of like Andre Godala, maybe Goran Dragic is kind of laying off the, the gas until it's time to actually go. I, who knows if that's the truth, but I, I would give Goran Dragic the benefit of the doubt that he kind of has this in mind or he's just kind of getting ready, revving himself up for what's to come in the playoffs. 
But I thought you were going to say Duncan Robinson. He's been kind of – people have kind of figured out how to stop him as much as you can for just a dead-eye shooter. Like, you know what kind of plays he's running off ball. But if he's getting open for a spot-up, there's nothing you can do. You kind of yeah. know now where where he goes, what he likes to do. Immediately, where he's going right off the shot, trying to get a foul or just pull up right around the BAM screen. Like, you kind of know his tendencies now. Yeah, Duncan, I think – listen, like, Duncan – Duncan, I don't think he's gonna like ever level up to the point where you're like, oh, Duncan took a d- jump. You know, Duncan's gonna be the player that he is, and I, I still think he has the capability to have a great playoff series. Even though, yeah, they probably did get some scouting off of the bubble last year and see what he's all about. But I think the the production of Goran is just so hard to replace, and if he isn't himself, it's a huge blow. I think they're also struggling to replace what they had with Jay Crowder. They're, they're kind of searching yeah. for that. You know, they they tried Trevor Ariza at that spot, and you know, they're, they're, they're tinkering. They tinker with Gabe Vincent. And, you know, I know you, you're all on the Struce bandwagon, but they, they don't know those, those like, you know, strong, he's a strong dude. Jay Crowder was who can make some threes, rough it up inside. They don't have that anymore. And they kind of let him walk for not a lot, but yeah, just between Goran's lack of production and then the Jay Crowder element not being there. And then Tyler Harrow, not exactly producing the way it was last year. That's probably why Miami is where they are. But at the same time, listen, I'm not going to count them out. Jimmy Butler is a borderline top 10 player in the league. I'd like to see some more aggression out of Ben out of bio, but I still think he's capable of giving a team major matchup problems, especially Brooklyn. That would be Brooklyn. Miami would be so fun because I, I think especially early. A, yeah. And I think it would be such a litmus test for, uh, for Bam also, Phil, you know, I th- because that's a series Bam, Bam's got to give you 22 points, 12 rebounds a game. He's got to, you know, and like, and that's honestly being modest. Like, if that dude is the star that you're paying him to be, he's got to put his imprint on that series. So I'd be really interested to see how Bam treated that matchup because he should look at it like nobody can guard me on the other end because, you know, he, he's kind of, he's kind of like baby AD in that way. You know, he's, he's got the mobility, but he can, he can rough it up if he needs to. And Brooklyn, we know that's their, that's their weakness. They don't have, answers to those type of players so bam should yeah. kind of give them a, a sneak peek of what playing ad would be like if he's the star that everybody says he is which i think he can be yeah i think spo knows if the situation came up where it was nets heat spo knows that running bam just kind of him being the focal point of the offense would be probably your best bet at sneaking a few games or maybe even you know toppling them if some nets players are out so you just kind of got to run, like, I guess, to the local four at Duke or Tim Duncan, <laughs> Tim, Tim Duncan at Spurs. Just let him be the absolute focal point of the offense. And Jimmy Butler cutting Duncan Robinson off ball threes. It could be very interesting. It could do be. Do want well, to West? Yeah, but, yeah, I do want to shift to West. But uh, verdict for me, I want to see – this. these are the playoff matchups I want to see, Phil. I want to see Philadelphia-Washington. I want to see brooklyn Miami, I want to see Milwaukee, Boston, and I want to see Knicks Hawks. If that would, that would be my perfect uh, Eastern Conference first round. From yeah, an I mean, from from a spectator. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, also, Hawks and Knicks low key got some beef. The fan bases that their sub were being very mean to us last well, night. We are know. we are the young like we're the two young up and coming squads. The Celtics are in there, but they're definitely above us. We're the kind of yeah. you know scrappy young squads. Yeah, there's a little the bit of animosity. A little bit of animosity. Thoughts on Trey with the glasses? I like it. I, I don't know. It kind of looks 
he looks like that guy that bowled and he was like, who are you? I am. Yeah. You know well, he, Trey's, Trey's kind of a funky looking dude. So I think the guy just kind of makes it cooler. I don't know. I like it. I, I guess. He's got to get rid of the goatee. You can't, you can't glasses and goatee it. I like it. All right. Well, he looks like the big Lebowski. All of these comparisons are not making me like it less. All right. Fair enough. Let's hop to Wes because we got a little baby uh, playing kind of situation going on. It's not as much as the East. It's basically the Mavs, if you want to include them, two games ahead of the 8-9 and nine, and then the Spurs who are three games behind the Mavs. So it's basically just in seven to ten spot as opposed to our four to wherever it was. Yeah, seven the, the biggest thing I think in the West is um, Dallas and Portland are are gonna are duking it out for that seven, or for that yeah. six for that six should I say? And Portland's not playing good basketball right now. They've lost three straight. Damian Lillard's have been missing some time. Dallas also not playing great basketball. They've recently beat the Pistons, but overall not playing well. So. <laughs> Those are two teams that are, that are struggling, but they're going to have to scrap some wins together. And we're, we're going to see both of those squads, you would think, you know, really try to gun for wins down the stretch because they don't want to get into that playing situation or, and, you know, play a scrappy Grizzlies team or play Steph Curry, which is just nightmare inducing. So yeah. that's, the, that's the biggest storyline in the West is Dallas-Portland. Um, do, you, do you have any – like how dangerous – I, I want to – let's – Let's talk Dallas and Portland for a second, Phil, because I, I think mm. they're they're both kind of similar in weird ways because they're both good half-court offensive teams. They both have a ball-dominant superstar who can take over a series. Um, they're both pretty defensively eh, putting right. it lightly. Yeah, they, both, okay. they, both, they both have coaches who have gotten criticism this year, and I don't know what to make of either of them. Actually, I kind of do, but I want to see what you make of either of them. Let's let's say they they dodge. Um, actually, they'll probably end up. So the six it looks like will probably end up playing the Clippers unless something different happens. They, possibly the Clippers can get to two. But let's say they they do play the Clippers, the six seed. Do you give either of those teams a chance to to make it out of that series? Uh, I'd give them both some kind of a chance. I don't know if it would be a whole lot. I'd give probably the Blazers a little bit of the edge. I think the Mavericks, it really depends on Kristaps. If Kristaps comes into the playoffs and he's kind of ready to go, then he could, they could be able, basically what happened last year where it went to what, six games, five, six games, six games. Uh, it could probably be something like that. Maybe the Mavs kind of know what they have schemes for it now because they've been there and they've experienced it. Um, so maybe I do give the Mavericks a little more credit. Maybe I'll flip flop. Maybe I'll give the Mavs probably like a, if they were in that situation, Give them like a 15 to 20% chance. Blazers probably 10 to 15. I don't think it's going to be. I wouldn't. I would be shocked if it did happen. But yeah, the Clippers are a good team and Serge Ibaka is coming back soon and Kawhi is going to be, you know, rested for when it's actually time to go. I don't think there's much to worry about. Yeah, I don't think so either. They're, they're, they're both teams that I think coming out of this year. If they, if they do lose in the first round, there, there, there's going to be questions. There's going to be questions because although Luca and Dame are both at very different points in their career, just age-wise, I think they're in, it's similar situations in the fact that you don't want to waste the prime of superstar yeah. talents. They're so, under the same microscope. Yeah, so how, how are you going to get out of that situation? And we'll, I guess we'll kind of we'll, – we'll tackle that when the season ends and uh, see what happens. But – 
there's pressure on them to perform. There's, there's pressure on those auxiliary pieces to perform because those are franchises that have to constantly be looking to improve their rosters around those two superstars. So it's a big playoff for both those guys. Look at the other teams in the play-in. Golden State, Steph had his first not superhero night last night where they, they lost to Washington. He, he shot pretty poorly. But you don't want to play them. The Spurs are weird, Phil. I kind of feel bad for the Spurs fans. I don't know. This season, it doesn't look that fun for them. It just doesn't. I, I, yeah. the, the, the young guys aren't really getting the run that I think a lot of fans want them to. The vets have been good. DeRozan's been good. But outside of that, you know, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills. Jakob Podol. Jakob no one wants to watch Jakob Podol. He's been surprising, though, defensively. I, I got to say. Good, what, what, but you don't yeah. want to watch him. Yeah, it, it's not a very inspiring group. Um, and I'm sure a lot of fans probably would just prefer them to maybe you know do a mini tank one year and see see what they can do in the lottery. But that's not the Spurs way. They're the 10. They don't inspire a lot of hope for me. Memphis just keeps on winning games, although they, they have lost their last two. They had a tough loss last night to the Clippers who pretty much had nobody. They were starting a mere coffee for God's sakes. But let's, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's assume that either Portland or Dallas are in the sevens. That's what you think what would happen. Eight seed. Um, I'm not really giving San Antonio a whole, a whole bunch of credit right now. I don't know. Sorry. Are you talking but, eight seed after playing or you mean? Yeah. Eight, eight, seed, eight, eight, eight seed after playing kind of, kind of forecasting to the future. Um, I'd probably Golden go Warriors. Just yeah, Steph will go nuclear for what the two games he has to, and yeah, the Grizzlies. I mean, Jaron Jackson just came back, so maybe he's he's a valuable piece by the time he's you know ready, you know, raring to go. But I don't know. I feel like the Warriors will kind of turn it on. Draymond Green will just go absolute magic for two games. Yeah. Do you give New Orleans oh, a shot to to get? Into uh, that's the, what I was going to ask you. Cause you're talking about Spurs, but. Spurs have been weird and sliding. Pelicans are on the same thing. They're, they've lost four straight, and they're now three games back from the 10th seed to, to take over the Spurs. Do you think it's it's kind of over now? Do you think they have a – they need a pretty sizable win streak in, what, like 20 games left? Uh, yeah, I think, I think less. They got uh, 14 games left. They uh, they got a pretty – I'm looking at their schedule right now. It's, it, it, it's pretty light. They got Orlando, San Antonio – Clippers, where Kawhi probably won't be playing. Thunder, Timberwolves, Warriors twice. So those will be big games. Ugh, New Orleans is a tough team. It, ju- it just seems like there's not a lot there outside of Zion and Ingram, who in himself is a little little inconsistent. But that, that, that that's a funny roster, Phil. I don't know. I, I like David Griffin overall, but I, I got to – think that he's made some missteps with the way this roster has been built I mean I, I don't know why Steven Adams is getting the run that he gets it doesn't seem to fit at all with what they're doing Lonzo Ball's back into a little bit of a slide the fan base is brought their pitchforks out again for him it's there, there's not a whole lot of talent like we, we saw them play twice against the Knicks and the Knicks were pretty much just saying all right Zion you're gonna get yours but we're, we're gonna we're gonna do late contest to your shooters and you're just not you're not going to shoot well enough to beat us, and that's that's what happens. That they shot, I know below thirty percent in their most recent game against the Knicks. I don't remember exactly what it was the one before that, but they only scored one hundred six points, so it couldn't have been that much. And yeah, this this team's struggling to manufacture offense, and Stan Van Gundy 
even though it looked decent at the beginning of the year, they st- started. They were uh, ten and twelve, eleven and twelve. Yeah, they had a good start in February, but it slid, and they've j- they've done kind of what the Knicks have done the last few years, where it's like they're they're just they've been piling up losses just a few too many times. So this is where they are. Do you th- do you think there's a chance that they get into the play in? I think there is a small chance that the Spurs go into a mini tank, but. Pop's not going to do that because Pop loves playing his vets. So right, yeah, I think it's their window's closing, if not already closed. It's kind of tough. They'd realistically have to go on the Spurs have to go on a losing streak. They would have to win. The Pelicans have to win probably five or six coming off their four game losing streak, and then hope the Spurs like break even with the Spurs, and then they take them over. It's it's not looking likely. I think what you're what we were talking about before with the Damian Lillard Luca superstar lens. I think that's definitely on Zion already just because of the magnitude of his playing so far. He's at the level of those guys, if not a, like a tiny half step below. So people are going to start talking. Is Van Gundy the answer? Is, does Zion want to be there long-term? He can't even push them. Like, I don't know if it's right because it's only year two, but people love to push that narrative. Oh yeah. And sometimes it does kind of get away from them. Like the media just pushes it and then, someone in the front office or Zion himself is like, you know, this guy's got a point. And then you're just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Some yeah. random beat writer just fucked me over for another 10 years. I'm in the lottery. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have. But, yeah, when you have a talent like Zion, you're always on the clock. So that yeah. that's another team that I think is going to come out of this postseason asking questions about what it can do to real retool. But uh, similar question to my Eastfield before we go. What's your – who would you like – because – uh, let's say so. If Phoenix stays in the two, mm. that means that the six would play the Clippers. Let's so. clear this up right now. I'm not a big believer in the Suns. I think things could go haywire if you okay. Put, if you put the Mavs, if the Mavs slipped, actually, you know, if they stayed at seven or they won the play and stay in seven, them versus the Suns could be very interesting. Is all okay. So, so I'm assuming that's what you want to see as a viewer. So you'd probably want to see Dallas seven. I would think Golden State eight. Right. Yeah, pro- yeah, probably. Yeah, that'd be fun. So then you'd have or you'd have a, yeah. If I could go, if I could twist the knob a little bit, if the Blazers drop to the eight or they survive the play and whatever maybe, and they ended up playing the Jazz, I think that would be very interesting. I that would probably be maybe not as interesting as the Suns Mavs, but I think Jazz and Blazers would be a good fight, hmm. more so than the Jazz would want in the first round. That would be interesting. So yeah, where, where are you leaning? Yeah, I, I, I'd probably, I want to, I want to see the Warriors in there. So I, 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 I go Warriors at, I go, I'd go Warriors at eight, and then Dallas seven, Portland six. Uh, I think that'd be fun. All right, that'd be fun fair time. enough. Fun times. All right, Phil. Well, that's that. We talk Knicks. We talk playing landscape. As always, check us out on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Get our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube, HoopScoop. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.